When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We have, he is an NHL Hockey Hall of Famer. Third. 13 37 games that would be 1337 games 341 goals 1079 assists for 1420 points in his NHL career and now he is working with some of the best of the best players on the development side in the NHL we are so so excited to have Adam Oates on the podcast Adam grew up in Weston Ontario right outside of Toronto He actually played his college hockey at RPI, 216 points in three years. Not terrible. Also an NCAA champion. They won the national championship when he was there. Uh, Played a lot of years in the NHL. He played in Detroit, St. Louis, Boston, Washington, Philly, Anaheim, and in Edmonton. He also coached in the NHL as an assistant for Tampa Bay and the New Jersey Devils. And he was also a head coach in Washington for the Capitals unbelievable career now he's doing some amazing things working with some of the best players in the world on the development side like we said awesome 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 conversation with adam before we do get over to him let's bring on another awesome guy though in a one jeffrey lavecchio vex what's shaking today my man not much dude this was a super sick podcast i mean this is big time this is as big as it gets this is uh I was super excited all day long. I was telling everybody we were having Adam Oates on. Obviously, um, you know, the one-two punch between Oates and Hull for me growing up watching that. And uh, it was unbelievable. So it's just really cool to have him on for sure. Fanboying. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I don't, I don't, like there's not a lot of people where I'm like, you know, but, you know, Adam Oates, I, I kind of inside. So, yeah, it was really exciting. And what a great guy. What a great guy. And our talk we had uh, before and, and after, you know, he stayed on for 10, 10, 15 minutes after to talk to us. And like, you know, guy like that busy on playoff night, pretty cool for him to stay and talk to us. Like that was that I thought that was pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a knowledgeable hockey guy and just the way that he played the game and processed and understood the game um, just on a completely different level. I mean, you mentioned 1000 over 1000 assists in the NHL. Like, come on, man. Like that's insane. And so I know growing up, he was growing up in our formative years. Right. And, and I always tried to kind of model my game after him, 
<laughs> you know, he was a, a skilled playmaking centerman, not the biggest guy in the world. And, and that's what I tried to be in, in my career. So um, yeah, very, very cool to, to have him on a lot of great stuff that we talked about. Was there anything that really stuck out? I, I obviously like the, I think the first thing that I'll ask you is, you know, you're somebody that, um, you know, your career was sidetracked um, derailed, if you will, by concussions and his, you know, you, you guys will hear it on the podcast, but one of his biggest jobs is to make sure that guys are healthy and teaching them things to do, teaching them certain skills, certain ways to see the game that'll keep them out on the ice and, and not get hit in ways that that can hurt them. And so was that something that you really resonated with? Did you, I, I'm sure you knew that we were going to get into that at least in some juncture on the podcast, but that had to have been pretty, uh, pretty seminal for you. Yeah, but it, it, uh, absolutely it was. There's no doubt about it. And I'm super sensitive to the concussion topic in hockey. As far as um, when I was coaching, it would drive me insane uh, when kids would get elbowed in the head or stuff like that, you yeah. know, and, and, and hits to the head and, and um, you know, that's, that's a sensitive subject for me. Cause I know what concussions can do to you, the, the long lasting effects, as well as, you know, the scariness of them and all that stuff. But my concussions weren't from like, even though I did play with my head down, my concussions didn't really come from that. They were pucks in the face, you know, elbow to the back of the head um, you know, just like dirty play in the corner um, and stuff like that. So it wasn't really like me coming across or in fights or something. It wasn't me like cutting across the ice cause I'm an idiot and I got blown up, you know, like none of my concussions were from that. Um, it was all like, just like really bad luck stuff. Um, so I bet you, I bet you, he would say, I bet you, he would say it wasn't as much luck and there was probably something he could have taught you. I mean, I, I bet he would too. I mean, super smart guy, but I don't know what he would say to like, you know, a meathead NHL fighter <laughs> going back for a puck and he just flips around out of nowhere and ices it and, but happens to take a slap shot at my face as I'm forechecking him, you know, like no player in the league would have made that play that, that this guy did. Like, what are you doing? You know, why turn around and take a slap shot at a, as a guy's forechecking you? Like, what, what can I do there? Or like in Japan, <laughs> when I'm playing towards the end of my career and a young kid tries to pass through my stick pressure and it goes up my stick and into my teeth and, you know, get a conky yeah. from that. Eh, nothing you can do about that, but uh, maybe there is, you know. Um, but uh, for me, it was like, I, I was really excited because I talked to Brian Galvin, who we, ha we have had on our podcast a long time ago. I believe you're one of our podcasts. Yeah, and it's still so. one of my favorite podcasts. Um, you know, he's NTDP's strength coach and he's phenomenal at what he does. And so I I talked to him today and I said, Hey, you know, we got Oates coming on. And he said, Oh, he's a great guy. I had a 45 minute conversation with him last year. I'm, I'm going to listen to this one. I'm so excited to hear. I want you to like get into it with him on, on training. Um, Cause obviously him and I are super into training. And uh, so we did that in this podcast and I gave Adam Oates pushback, not a big deal. Um, <laughs> wanted to, wanted to hear what he was going to say. And, and uh, it's actually funny. Like what he was describing for training is exactly the reason I train guys, the way I train. Um, I think what he's you describing guys got to is a pretty similar spot. Towards yeah. Him, yeah. Sure. You know, like we're yeah. like how I do things is literally to, to do what he wants to do on the ice, what he wants to achieve, which he talks about on the podcast a lot through different avenues is balance, balance in a bunch of different ways. And, um, you know, that's 
one of the main things that I try to focus on in my training is a balanced body and being able to control your body and all these different things. So that was super interesting. But, um, you know, it sounds like we actually have similar ideas of how a hockey player's strengths should help them um, on the ice. And so, yeah, it was interesting. And, I'm, I, you know, I felt I, I felt I felt pretty cool, you know, given Adam a Powers, just a little pushback, but <laughs> and then it came right back at me. I loved it. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you won't knock me over on the ice. Okay. Let's see. Let's see, baby. I'll try it. I'll try it. You know, it'll probably kill me, but it'd be pretty cool. Oh, you're a beauty. I like it. <laughs> I like it. But dude, like how often do you get the chance to, I mean, for me, getting the chance to ask him questions about how he processes the game, teaching player, how to players, how to process the game, getting to talk to him about how to develop chemistry with line mates, you know, as somebody as, as phenomenal of a playmaker as, as he was uh, just really cool to be able to pick the brain of one of the best of the world at, at what they do. And I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this one. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to bring this to everybody. I mean, we've talked about having Adam Oates on before um, for, for a long time, a little bit of a white whale, just with this being a hockey development podcast. White Buffalo. <laughs> he was, he was a great white Buffalo. We got him. Thank we got him because of Lounsey. Thank you. Lounsey, the absolute legend, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. And yeah, thanks to Lounsey for, for hooking this up. Lounsey works with, with Adam, with the Oats sports group in making hockey players better around the world. So yeah, thanks to Lounsey for this. And yeah, what a phenomenal conversation. Not every day you get a chance to talk to an NHL hall of famer. Who's also working with future NHL hall of famers as well on the development side of things. So uh, very, very appreciative of his time. So let's not take up too much more of your time. Um, there is something though, I, I, Vex and I are going to kind of tease this a little bit right now, but there, there, there is, um, we're not ready to make the announcements yet, but Vex and I are changing some things up and we have some really, really, really cool things coming on the hopper here for the hockey think tank and for ripped hockey. And we're going to be doing some stuff together. We're doing some stuff separately. That is going to be pretty cool. And we cannot wait to announce this in the next couple of weeks, but um, yeah, we're, we're going 2.0 here. We're going to the moon. Can't wait to have an even bigger impact on the hockey world than hopefully we're making right now. And so um, just really, really excited. I want to get everybody else really excited about it because yeah, next couple of weeks we'll be making a few announcements that uh, are, are going to be, what would you say, Vex? Pretty, pretty big, pretty, pretty big. We're going worldwide, wide, 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 prestige. <laughs> and not, and you know, this isn't only going to pertain to hockey for some of these things we're doing. So we're excited. Uh, we're really excited. Very, very excited. I, I am stoked. Uh, we've been working on this for a long time. We've been talking about this. We've been planning a long time and uh, we're going to bring some cool ish to the, to the world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, let's not take up any more time. Thank you to gel sticks, G E L S T X.com. The premier training aid. If you want to make your shot better, stick handle better, whatever it may be, Vex uses it in the gym. G E L X T X.com. John Lounsbury, who set this up. Uh, instrumental in gel sticks and, and getting us in, in, in touch with the product. Uh, Vex uses it in his gym. NHL teams use it. NTDP uses it. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal tool. Now that the weather's getting a little bit better outside, 
lot more people shooting pucks in the driveway, you know, making mom and dad proud with all the dents that they're putting in their garages and stuff like that. So um, just an awesome training aid. So go to gel6.com and use the coupon code think tank one word to get a discount on your weighted training sticks. Bex, like train heroic. Train heroic. That's where all of my training uh, is housed. Unbelievable videos of me coaching and demonstrating everything message boards for teams, organizations, and players. Um, thousands of players have worked with me online. Now I've got pros literally, I think in 14 or 15 countries I have now worked with from the NHL to the SHL to the KHL to the AHL D one D three teams, uh, three championships this year alone, um, from the seven junior teams that I worked with excited to expand that to more and more teams next year. So coaches out there, I can help save you money and I can help your players stay strong and finish hard throughout the season and not die. Like a lot of teams do. This isn't CrossFit. It's super simple and it's going to save you money and get you more workouts per season. So any organization, any team at any level, I can help you guys with your in season and out of season workouts. Seriously. I love doing this. Please reach out to me. And then the other one I want to thank is uh, cured nutrition. Um, just signed a deal with them. CBD has played a very important role um, in my brain health with 14 concussions. That's something that I'm always thinking about. Um, CBD is unbelievable. It's THC free. They have pills, they have droppers, they have salves, all different way drinks. They have these unbelievable drinks that I drink every day. It's like carbonated drink. Unbelievable. Um, but you can go on curednutrition.com and use the code GMBM. Just want to say thank you to them for keeping my brain healthy so I can do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a tool. I love it. I <laughs> uh, also want to thank icehockeysystems.com talk about train heroic and, and how it's low cost but high volume and high um high value that's the word i was looking for Hello. And, <laughs> um but this this product guys like it it's changed a lot of organizations just in terms of their ability to to practice plan and help their coaches a lot of youth coaches out there might not have the time to put everything they have into their practice planning and into their development just with all the other different responsibilities that they have and this is really an unbelievable site to be able to to provide the coaches with education and, and just the, you know, the structure to be able to plan efficient practices and, you know, even learn new ideas with the education side of things, because this thing, you have a drill drawing tool where you can draw up your drills, send out your practice plans to your players, even your parents uh, before practice. So they know what's going on. You can uh, go on. There's a ton of different whiteboard explanations, uh, different tactical type stuff from some really, really smart hockey people on there as well. And so we have partnered with them to do an association platform where you can get this for literally every single coach within your organization. Uh, and again, very, very low cost very very high value um we've also partnered with them with our hockey think tank parent survival guide and so it's not just for your coaches but it's for your parents as well and you can give this to all the coaches all the parents within your organization uh just a phenomenal phenomenal value add for all the hockey directors all the coaches all the parents out there so uh, go to icehockeysystems.com look up the associations tab and you will be able to uh, get this and help out everybody within your program so thank you thank you thank you to them thank you thank you thank you to everybody who continues to listen to the podcast and support what we do you guys are absolutely amazing we would not still be here without you we would not be able to get all these awesome guests like an adam oats to come on and and share his hockey knowledge with us and so if you can please 
uh, continue to shoot us feedback through DMS on Instagram or Twitter through email toll for at the hockey think tank.com. Uh, keep shooting us ratings and reviews on uh, Apple podcasts or iTunes. We really appreciate that. It just helps to legitimize our podcast. Um, do you want to read uh, another review that we got from somebody? And this is from stop the puck, a goalie mom. And she says, my son and I listen to this podcast on the way to school, the rink, or traveling for game weekends. Such great life advice is shared, and it helps me to learn about hockey life and situations from many different viewpoints. I love how Topher and Jeff balance each other out. We are always entertained when listening. I recommend this podcast to all of our hockey friends. So we really appreciate those kinds of things. In fact, I did want to say one other thing before we did get did get over to Adam because I, I posted this on social media the other day, but it, it really like hit home for me because we're big why people, right? We do this for a reason. The reason why we do this podcast is to just like we say, and it's a little bit of a joke at the beginning, but to really educate and inspire everybody that loves the game. And we want to bring on amazing guests to be able to teach people what they know. Uh, we want to inspire you not just in hockey, but in life as well to, to be the best that you can be, um, make your life better, make the people around you lives better. And so this email that I got from, uh, you know, somebody that I know in Chicago, um, it really just hit home for the why made, made the heartstrings tug a little bit, you know, and I wanted to read it because this is, this is our, our why. And he says, Hey, Topher, I hope you are well. I wanted to compliment you on today's show. Last week's show was with Joe Kramer, who was an army veteran. He said, I'm, uh, I'm 53 years old and Joe Kramer taught me so much today. Thank you. Your pod is like church to me over the last three years. You guys provided an amazing emotional, mental, and psychological resource for me when I was the most anxious and insecure hockey dad there was. Now I get questions from freaked out parents asking why I am so chill and grounded. I say, do you listen to podcasts? If so, check out the hockey think tank. It will set you on a better path. Keep up the great work. You know, so we know, especially the youth hockey world is a little nuts. It's a little crazy and there's a lot of different information being, you know, put out there from a lot of different sources, some good, some not so good. And so we really want to make your hockey experience an enjoyable one, uh, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach and you learn something that can help you teaching your kids or a player with, with your own game, whether you're a parent and, and we can provide some knowledge for you, or to be honest with you, like, we want to be the podcast that you listen to when you go to the rink with your kids and, and provide a little bit of a, a relationship type thing where you can bond over it, give you some talking points. I know sometimes when you're in the car with your 13 or 14 year old son, uh, you can't get much out of them. And so maybe this could be a, a little bit of a talking point. We all remember how important those car rides home and to the rink are with our parents. And so um, guys, like we just so appreciate everything. I mean, million downloads now, uh, we're over 200 episodes bringing on people like Adam Oates, but like, honestly, these emails are, are why we do it. And we so appreciate your feedback. We want to get better too. And, uh, it, for, for this one, I mean, you can't help but get better when you have someone like Adam Oates on here. So I've jabbered enough. Vex, you got anything to add real quick? Yeah, real quick, baby cakes. Uh, I'm going to take over <laughs> this new hot mic we got. Um, I want to, I want to do this. Um, anytime Tove picks your review, to read on the podcast if you dm me that that was you and obviously please don't lie um on instagram 
um, not as active on Twitter. So you got to follow me. What's up, blue check mark? Um, and then uh, increase my following. Thank you. Um, I will send you hip mobility for you or your player for free. So uh, was it goalie, goalie mom um, who sent the review that you yeah. read today? Yeah. Okay. So goalie mom, if you're listening to this, seriously, we appreciate it so much. Um, I would love to help uh, you and or your player. Um, so if you hear this, you listen to this episode, shoot me a DM on the gram, you or your son or daughter, whoever's the goalie. And I will send you the hip mobility uh, four week program that I created with Dr. Tony Katakis for free. Um, so if Toe from now on picks your review to read, I will send you hip mobility. All you got to do is DM me your email and Bob's your uncle. Don't know what that means, but you will have it immediately into your email. <laughs> okay. Without further ado, here we go with Hockey Hall of Famer, Adam Oates. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. It's double trouble here. We got Adam Oates and John Lounsbury. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. And uh, this is a white whale for us. We're so excited to, to talk some hockey with you, Adam. And, and Lounsy, know you guys working together now. And uh, Adam, just as a, as, as a fan, I know Vex grew up in St. Louis when you were playing there. For me, watching you play growing up, this is, uh, this is a real honor having you on the podcast. So thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's get it started. You know, we're big believers here that um, growing a passion for the game is, is one of the most important aspects of, of becoming a, a great hockey player at the end of the day. So I want to take it way back with you. You grew up right outside of Toronto. Uh, what was it that that really drove your fire and, and gave you some passion to get in this game of hockey? Well, you know what, being a Canadian kid and growing up in Toronto, um, there's really nothing else. You know, I mean, everybody <laughs> plays it. My brother played it. Uh, we had three ball hockey games on my street. Obviously, you know, back then, the Hockey Night in Canada was a big thing on Wednesdays and Saturday nights, which for like American fans, that's like Monday Night Football, right? It's, it's oh, yeah. Hockey Night in Canada is huge. And like every single kid, I, I was a hockey nut and always was and still am. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it was, uh, it's our soul for sure. And, and it definitely is mine. I love that. It's almost like an infectious disease. It just, it just takes over your body and you just can't get enough of it. And uh, yeah, we so admire everybody that dedicates their, their time to the game and their life to the game. And you've been able to help so many people. Um, but I, like going back to what we were talking about, you've been a mentor to so many different people when you played now that you're in player development, you know, who were some of your mentors? Who were some of the people that you looked up to, whether it was just right there in Toronto, uh, family members or things like that, or, or even people playing in the NHL when you were growing up that you really wanted to either model your game after or, or provided you some inspiration to play? Well, I, I would say, honestly, growing up, like Bobby Hall was my idol. Uh, you know, Chicago Blackhawks, the Golden Jet. That was like, you know, when, and you got to remember, like, I'm an older guy, right? That's when TV was, you know, just starting. And to see uh, the Golden Jet, it was just, it was, you know, a, a big thing. And definitely hockey cards was a big thing in our lives, right? We, we couldn't wait to get hockey cards to see who you got. And, you know, a Toronto boy like Daryl Sittler on the Leafs was the guy. And, you know, you had your idols. And back then, that, that, you know, you played hockey, you watched your idols. And it was all, I mean, that's what you did, right? There wasn't really any other choices. So we all got into it all the time. Yeah. Did you have like a pretty good support group of friends, just people living around you, just growing up with minor hockey playing together? You know, did you have like kind of a group that stuck with it all the way up through from kind of like the youth all the way up until you maybe parted ways of junior hockey? Well, well you know what? That's a good question because in, in uh, Toronto, 
there is so many numbers that you don't play for your town. You don't, it's an independent leagues. So you play for a team, you know, you play for this particular team this year and next year you can be on a whole new team with 20 new guys. So it's pretty competitive right from an early age. You actually don't, you don't play for your high school. You don't, it doesn't work like that. So you actually, it's all independent and you play. And I had an older brother and he played and he was a very good player. So my parents, you know, drove us around everywhere, all over Toronto, which, you know, like Boston, the big city traffic, pretty hard to, for the parents to get the job done, which is fantastic. <laughs> it takes a village, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, when you were younger, did you play year round or was, were they taking the ice out? Like, I know you said you played ball hockey and stuff like that, but, but how was it? What was like the yearly schedule for guys back then? Um, you know what? I played lacrosse in the summer, box lacrosse. So we would flip the switch from hockey to lacrosse back and forth. Yep. And it was pretty, my part of Toronto, everybody did that. There are, you know, like a big city, there's different parts where there were other areas where it would be hockey 12 months a year, but my particular area, we, we, we switched. So that's, I, I own a gym and I, I train hockey players from the NHL down to like 18, 17 year old AAA players. And I'm a huge proponent as well as his toll funner podcast, always talking about playing multiple sports. I think that from an athleticism standpoint, it's so important to work in other skills, also injury prevention, not overusing the same muscles over and over. Um, but a sport like lacrosse, it's, it seems like it's, I never played, love it. seems like it's so similar to hockey, but different enough that you're working on like your playmaking and, and your vision and your peripheral vision and uh, agility and all these things are going to make you better at hockey. So with what you do now and how you played, you know, with your vision, do you think that like playing other sports helped you with that stuff? Well, I, I would have to agree with hundred percent. Number one, 12 months a year of hockey can get a little monotonous for sure. Year after year after year. So having another sport to play does change it up a little bit. I, I think looking back, obviously, I'm very lucky that I played box lacrosse because it was a pretty violent game as well. So 12 months a year, I had to learn how to take a hit. And back when I played hockey at, at an early age, we had contact right from the beginning. You didn't play eight years and then all of a sudden you, you got contact. We had hockey. We had contact from the very beginning. So hockey and lacrosse, I'm, I'm taking hits. So I'm learning how to avoid hits. And, you know, I think obviously big picture that helped me a lot. That's one of the things we've talked about a lot is I think when you're younger, um, just in terms of your own development of your hockey sense and your decision-making, it's almost uh, a disadvantage to be bigger and stronger than everybody else at the younger ages, because the way youth hockey is, is coached, I guess you can call it nowadays, people get rewarded for being bigger and faster and skating in a straight line, <laughs> you know, and, and going to score from just kind of burning the defenseman. And then everybody's all happy and, and great when, you know, you get to the older ages and defensemen and teams are a little bit smarter, uh, a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. It's just not the way the game is hockey is played, you know, and for you, I'm, I'm not a big guy. I'm actually a tiny guy, five foot four, thank you very much. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I've talked to a lot of other development coaches about how, you know, we reward bigger, stronger, faster, a little bit. And, and we're creating players that don't necessarily think the game very well when you were growing up and, and it, it kind of leads into what you're talking about, being able to see hits come in and, and just being able to read what's going on as well. Um, growing up, you know, were you a smaller player? Is that something that you kind of thought about or think about now as you're uh, passing on your knowledge to, to the next generation? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know what? I, I have to agree with you. Number one, the bigger guys, when they're younger, 
uh, obviously get a lot more attention. People that are fast get attention. That's a fact. So the smaller guys, the slower guys, no question that for them to keep surviving, they got to learn how to play right yeah. away. Um, and then, you know, obviously everybody goes through puberty, right? So it changes and you see guys that are 40, 50 pounds heavier than other guys, right? So these are all things that as you grow and you learn, uh, it develops your skill sets, right? And I would say sometimes fast skaters have to learn how to play slow, right? And, you know, uh, other guys don't move lateral so well. So when you look at a player, everybody's got a little something and everybody could work on a little something. And I, that's sort of like where we're at. I really like that. I like what you said about playing fast and playing slow, because I feel like the the top players that really think it can do both, you know, there's a time and a place for playing fast, you know, catching the other team before they're getting in their defensive structure and things like that. Uh, and there's times to slow it down, escape, you know, find the late guy, bring a guy to you and then accelerate away from them. Is that something that you talk about a lot in, in, you know, your dealings with some of these higher level players, just having the ability to read that play fast, play a little bit slower when you're reading the play and things? Yeah, I mean, we actually, uh, when we get into it, we, we work on everything, quite honestly. <laughs> um, uh, from getting a puck out. Hey, there's a technique to get the puck out. To winning a face-off. There's a technique to winning a face-off. Shooting, passing, uh, battling in that front D. If you're a D, how do you see that come, guy coming in and head him off at the pass so the goalie can see the shot? So you end up working on everything. One of the things that's hard is the cliches. Like, like one of the things that I, you know, everybody talks about playing fast. I don't find the game that fast. I don't. There's moments it's fast, but think about a power play. So both teams get three power plays a game. That's six power plays. Well, they're all standing still. No one's, no one's going faster in a power play, right? Unless they dump it down and they bring it down the ice. And then what are they doing? They're moving around. The box is in front of their goalie. The five guys are on the outside, so nobody's really moving fast. So obviously at that particular time, we need skill, right? And there, there's times it's fast for sure, but generally, as long as you can move, you can keep up with the pace of the game with, with a few you know, rare examples. But like just, you know, oh, we're, we're way faster. I, I would have to disagree. That's really interesting because the conventional wisdom of what everybody's talking about is play fast, play fast, play fast. And so I think that's just a really good counter argument to it because yeah, there's, there's so many ebbs and flows to a game and you know, for, for you, it, it, does a lot of that come from also your, your, your playing days, you know, your playing days, you were one of the top playmakers of, of all time. And you know, when you are, playing that way you have to be able to slow some things down and let some plays develop and stuff um is is that something that gets your thoughts into this whole playing fast isn't maybe as great as it's cracked up to be <laughs> well let's get something straight i wasn't fast I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't play fast but no like like seriously like there's obviously some fast guys in fast situations but when you look at a guy like patrick kane right the guy's a magician no one would ever call him fast but in certain situations, I would, because the man can read a play instantly. So to me, that's a that's an IQ. His IQ is very fast, right? Panarin, his IQ is very fast, right? Kucherov, IQ very fast. And there's guys that have a little bit of uh, that are fast. Connor is ridiculously fast, right? So you know, Adam Fox won uh, the Norris last year. I don't think anybody would call him a rocket ship. 
So, you know, like, obviously, when you look at a, a game, when you look at a player play, right, you're, we look at him to see what he does very well and what he needs to work on. And, and you know, for de de depending on a guy, hey, listen, if it's a guy in the NHL, he might need to work on 5% of his game. But 5% at that level is a big number, right? And obviously, he wants to stay in the game. You know, so, like, like the cliches we kind of just ignore, but, but at the end of the day, you know, when you watch, when you watch hockey, when you watch it play, um, you, you know, I, I think even like most parents know what they're watching, right? And yeah, every once in a while, you, when you're watching 14 year olds, you'll see a kid that looks faster, for sure. Doesn't mean two years from now, he's going to be the fastest guy on the ice. So we kind of ignore the cliches and we, we just focus on sort of like working on guys' games. So let me, let me ask you this, because we have tons of coaches that listen to this podcast and take notes and call us and ask us questions after. So like I, I played 10 years pro, I played in the American League and then in Europe. I was really fast, like act, like speed, like, but that's pretty, I was the opposite of you. No vision, all speed. I saw the game very fast in my own head, right? Like, cause I didn't, I wasn't a vision guy. So I think that in today's world where there's so many of these skills coaches doing like one-on-ones and it's individual, no passing skating around cones skill work, which, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of um, players are losing the ability to see the ice a little bit from what I'm seeing at the younger ages. So how would you teach a coach who's got these kids who are playing, you know, the cliche fast, just moving their feet and moving. How do you teach a coach to slow the game down for the younger players? Is there a way you can teach that? I would say the answer is yes. I would say they have to be willing to listen to you, right? Because they go to coach school, right? USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, they get sort of like a guideline. So they have their parameters. They want to win. So they have to be willing to learn. So first of all, when you go watch a game, if, if you see someone going very fast and they bobble the puck, then they're going too fast or they're missing a skill, right? Um, last night, I, I don't know if anybody watched, the Rangers were playing and uh, one of uh, Pittsburgh's guys, Raquel, got hurt. And he had the puck and got coming up the ice. So he had, he had time to see guys and he bobbled the puck. And he took a bad hit and left the game. So when I watch that, he's missing a particular skill. And that skill has something to do with what you're asking because he clearly didn't see the defenseman coming. And when you watch the video, he had time to see the defenseman coming. So we sort of go about trying to figure out, okay, what, what were you missing, man, that you missed that D? And generally when you watch, you know, at some point he probably bobbled the puck, which he did last night. And depending on the player, that could be an accident, it could be one time. But sometimes there's repeat offenders of that as well, right? And, you know, the first thing that we always do is the number one thing that John and I want is we want our players to stay healthy. You know, like when we have a younger kid, mom and dad want us to protect them. They want to have fun. They want to do well. They want to move up the ladder, but they got to stay healthy. And it is a hard game. It's a very hard game. Matt Nickel was on our podcast and uh, he said something that I tell all of my guys, because in the gym, we work on a lot of like prehab and a lot of vision off the ice, like working on multiple sports in the gym and doing this stuff where our head's always on a swivel. Um, but he said the best ability is availability. 
And I absolutely love that quote because, you know, like to the, to the parents listening, the coaches listening, if you can't play, you can't help your team win. You can't get stats. You know, you can't get a scholarship. You can't get paid. Nobody wants to hire you for the next season if you're always injured. So like the best ability is first and foremost, being able to play all the time. And all of these different things that, that Adam and John do obviously go into that, keeping guys healthy through playing smarter and slowing it down or whatever you want to call it all the above. I want to take it a step further. Adam, um, because something you said there really kind of clicked in for me. And and you mentioned that, you know, as Raquel is coming up the ice, he bobbles the puck. So he has to look down and now he can't see the things that are, you know, going on. And, you know, we talk about and, and a lot of people talk about, you know, how important it is to play with your head up, right? Play with your head up, scan, shoulder check, all that kind of stuff. But I've never heard it in a sense of like connecting the skill with the, the ability to play with your head up. So putting in those reps um, from a skill standpoint allows you to not have to worry about thinking about doing the skills so you can worry about reading what's in front of you. Is that something that you talk a lot about with your players? Because I feel like that's, I mean, that's such a great point. I mean, I would say that honestly, everything that we do on the ice is built for that subject, right? Like if you shoot a puck and fall down, you could get hurt. Right? If you don't see that guy coming while you're shooting a puck, passing a puck, coming around the boards, you could get hurt. So like at the end of the day, uh, head up is a good turn. But if you bobble the puck, you can't keep your head up. And that's why like the number one thing that we're uh, trying to grow a player is balance. And that's balance all over the ice at all times. Right? And it's funny because it's one of the issues that we have with the strength coaches because you can be the strongest guy in the world and if you fall a little bit i can knock you over and i'll tell you right now you can't knock me over i love that and i want to get into this because i talked to uh brian gallivan uh before we got on this this call the uh the head of sports uh sports science for usa ntdp and he said he had a good conversation with you last year for 45 minutes and you guys were going back and forth on training and you're not a huge proponent of training. And I would agree exactly with what you just said. I think that, uh, you know, the old school quote unquote type of training, Jack Blatherwick uh, said to me, if you could, tra- if you're training in a phone booth, like you're not training to be a better hockey player. And that changed my world, changed my life, changed my career, changed, you know, the trajectory of what I do now and everything. And, and I believe in that, but I also one billion percent believe that there are certain ways to train in the gym that will make you uh 100% will make you a better hockey player brian was saying that you were going to give pushback on that so i want to hear kind of what you your thoughts on strength training and maybe what's wrong with it and how that is what you know battling with what you do or you're not seeing it um translate to the ice i would say so first of all it's not that i'm against strength training i'm against it too early in someone's life for sure i am I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I ended up uh, when I went to college was really the first time that I started training in the gym. We were forced to. So I was lucky. I had hockey and then they put strength training on top. Where nowadays I feel like it's mixed. And if you look at baseball, for example, how many pitchers have Tommy John nowadays? Because they've they've lost some elasticity while while training. Now, I, like I said, I do believe in training. I do. You got to be strong. No question. But I'll trade a guy's hands for strength 100% of the time. Because I think every guy that's in that league right now is strong enough. Every single guy, every guy in junior is strong enough. 
Every guy in college is strong enough. You got to get strong. Hey, no question. I'm not disagreeing with that. But when you watch your game, like I said, when you watch the game, what are the, what are the success plays? What are the failures? And when you watch a play, when you watch every goal, well, somebody bobbled the puck. Somewhere along the line, somebody bobbled the puck or somebody made a good play with the puck, right? And when you have a battle and you see a guy fall, why did he fall? Where's his balance? Why did his balance? So, you know, like there's tons of examples. And you know what? It's, uh, I'll give you a really good one because we all saw it, which is set, uh, very sad. Uh, Clayton Keller from Phoenix hurt his leg bad in the boards. Bad. And you know what? Like nobody wants a guy to get hurt. I don't for sure. But if you actually watch the play, he bobbled the puck a little. And as he bobbled the puck, he fell down an inch. And that at that same time, the defenseman pushed him. So pretty coincidental that as you're falling a little bit, the guy gave you a little shove, but that little shove hurt him. And what hurt him was the balance, not his strength. So I would give you pushback on that a little bit from the standpoint that if you're training in the gym in the way that, you know, there's a million ways to skin a cat, but I think there's a right way and a wrong way, or, you know, you know, there's polar opposites to train in the gym. If you're training in a unilateral fashion, mostly in the off season, meaning like, like think for a bench press, uh, for example, just cause that's easy. Everybody knows it instead of a barbell bench press. I think that's old school. Don't like it for a million reasons. First and foremost, it doesn't engage your core, your glutes, your adductors, anything. But if you're doing a single arm bench press, that's working your entire core. It's working your glutes, your adduct, all that. So it's anti-rotational in nature. So when someone pushes on you, if you rotate, you lose balance, right? So if you can, if you are strong enough to resist rotation, you keep your balance. So for me, like strength training, like, and when you were doing it in college, way different than what guys do now and not everybody, there's still guys who train, like it's 1980 and it's, they're just, uh, it's terrible. But I think that if you're doing it correctly, and I don't think that you necessarily need to play higher levels of hockey, but I think if you do, you understand this situation that you're talking about exactly that if you train in a smarter way, let's call it, you would be working on that in the gym if that makes sense do you think that that type of training like because i think that is literally like balance that you're talking about right there and that's personally what i focus on with all of my guys in the gym the entire off season because i don't care how much they bench press i don't care we don't even back squat i don't care how much you back squat i don't care about how much you lift i care more how you lift to make you a better hockey player and i think that's where you know guys like you explaining it the way you just did is exactly why i train guys the way that i do do you have, like, are there any thoughts on that? Yeah, like, like for sure. And it's hard, obviously, over the computer. But, like, the one thing is we have a hockey stick in our hands, right? So that alters our body a little bit. And, like, you talked about uh, the one arm, the one arm uh, bench, right, for resistance. Yeah, but there's times that I don't resist. If I'm against the boards, I don't resist. I roll. So my rib cage rolls, right? So you bump me, I have to learn how to roll and absorb, absorb the force, right? Very martial arts-ish. You yes. got you to, you, you know, you got to absorb that force while you see someone coming. I, you know, you could be the strongest guy in the world and if Tom Wilson gets you and you're trying to resist, you're going to break. Right. Right. So now in saying that, I'm not saying you're wrong too because you do need stability in there, of course. 
right? So it, so it is a total combo of all of it, for sure. Um, and then, but the, and quite honestly, when we watch guys, we are looking for that. We are looking for, is a guy too stiff? Does a guy need to have a little bit more stability somewhere, right? And we do a lot of one-arm stuff, a lot of two-arm stuff, both directions, multi-directional, because at the end of the day, I want an athlete to be spontaneous, right? I want him to be able to move any direction at any time. I love that. We do gymnastics in the gym for that exact reason that you just said, like controlling the body, learning how to, we, we do somersaults. People laughed at me 10 years ago when I was making my guys do somersaults and it was literally almost for that exact example right there. So we'll just chalk this up to uh, me and Adam Oates being best friends. <laughs> do so many more activities. Oh, was, about five minutes ago, I was a little worried. <laughs> here's you, here's me. <laughs> Oh God. I like it. I like it. Well, Adam, um, I, I want to ask you, um, because you've, you've worn so many different hats in the game yet. Yeah, you were a player, you were an assistant coach, you were a head coach. Now you're working with, you know, players uh, on the development side of things. I'm wondering what, what's some of like the biggest things that you've learned on how all of those people can potentially work together. Because uh, a lot of guys, especially at the higher levels now, they obviously have their coaches, you know, they, they have their development coaches like yourself and some other people that are doing it as well. And then, then you have the player and, and their needs and things like that. Um, so if you could give any advice to, you know, anybody out there that has different people that are helping you with your game, what, what is a way that everybody can kind of work together and how do you navigate that process, especially with some of these higher level players um, that are playing in the NHL? You know what, at the, at the very beginning, it was hard because I had just, I was just a coach. So at first everybody's like, Hey, what's he doing? Uh, that's gone away 90%, 95% in terms of, uh, people thinking maybe they're sabotaged. So one of the things that we do is we do a lot of voiceovers. So we work with the players during the off season all over. And then during the season we watch and then John and I will send them kind of clips because obviously social media, like the computer has made such a, a drastic change in the game. Video, video has changed the game versus when I played. So I can send a clip to a player and say, Hey, uh, why don't you work on this today after practice? Because that's something you made a mistake last night. You know, why don't you hone your skill? And the one thing about it that I, that I always feel safe is, is I, I will never, ever say anything that crosses a line. Because I know because of social media, anything I say can get out. They, they can find it out. So anybody that's ever sort of like seen us and had talked to us, and I have met with a lot of GMs by now, they know we're coming from a good place and it's all sports are doing it right now. Everybody's had strength coaches for a long time, right? Uh, guys go home in their off season. Everybody works with somebody on something all the time. So it's becoming more and more commonplace. Yeah, for sure. Now, how has your time as a development coach, like let's say you were getting the itch to get back into coaching again, where you're coaching a team, you know, how has your time, you know, working more one-on-one -on -one small groups with players, how, how would that affect kind of maybe how you go about coaching your team as a whole, whether it's systematically, how you deal with players on the ice, off the ice, what have you learned that can help? Cause we have a lot of coaches that, that listen to this podcast at all different levels. Um, your experience as a, as a, you know, more individual, small group coach. Um, do you have any advice after doing it? I would say, I would say, you know, first I was an assistant coach and generally as an assistant coach, you support the head coach 
And on practice days, you try and work on guys' games. So I was that guy. And then when I got out of coaching, um, I approached some of the guys that I had coached and said, what do you think about working individually? And a bunch of guys said, yeah, and we started, right? And I would consider myself a fixer, right? Even when I was a head coach, I'm a fixer. Where if I see a defenseman not clear a puck, okay, is that one time? Or is there a recurring theme? So to me, if I see a guy make a similar mistake a few times, I'm going to go try and fix that. I'm not just going to yell at him and say, clear the puck, because clearly, clearly there might be something wrong in his technique. So there might be something he's doing wrong, right? Um, a winger has to get the puck out around the boards. Well, that requires a lot of skill. With a defenseman pinching on you, that requires skill to get that puck out and not to get hit by that guy. So everything we do on the ice has a skill, everything. So like I said, I'm a fixer. So I go about fixing it. Now as a coach, you only have so much time and you get practice, right? So it's very difficult. So what I would suggest to those guys is if you see something wrong with certain guys, allocate some time to work on that particular skills in a game because 20 games from now, it won't be fixed. That's what I know, right? You can't just yell at guys. You have to teach them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, so let's say you, you do allocate some time to, to work on, let's, you, you mentioned taking a rim around the wall, you know, winger, there's a lot of different skills, a lot of different um, awareness things that you need to figure out. That's a, that's a highly skilled, a highly unbelievable play, especially in, in today's game when defensemen are coming at you, uh, you know, sure. down the wall all the time and stuff. So how would you go about teaching that winger? Is it more technical is it more one-on-one? -on -one? Do you put some pressure on it? What's your process in, in trying to teach that person the skills and the awareness to be able to be successful in those kinds of plays? Well, that, that's not an easy answer, unfortunately, because it requires a lot. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, that, and that's obviously what we do, right? Like, um, you know, to me, the hardest play in hockey is a defenseman going back for the puck on a dump in. That is the hardest play in hockey because is it, is it bouncing? Is it rolling? Is it against the boards? Is it going to come off the boards? Where's the guy behind you? Is the goalie going to play it? Is the goalie in your way? There's a guy on the far side trying to get Two different you. different so variables. Back for a puck. Well, I mean, I could spend four hours just talking about that clip, right? Because it is, but if you're a left defenseman, it happens every shift of your life. So why would you work on anything else? Right? We have boards. Right? So every single time you go on the ice, someone's dumping it in your corner. Why would you work on anything else? Get good at that. You get good at that, your whole team will love you. But I'm not going to lie. That's not easy to work on. You have to know what to do. And honestly, it requires, you know, that's something that I think John and I have that's special. We have the ability to teach. Right? We're not just going to say, hey, go do that. Right? You got to teach it. You know, and that's what most people don't understand. It's just, it's not just reps. You gotta, you gotta actually teach the reps. When you say teach, like, obviously, you know, it's hard with this example, but like we've had um, Adam Nicholas on, you know, before, and he's a skills coach, you know, or, you know, whatever, however you want to describe what you guys do, uh, a fixer um, as well, you know, and he's talked about how a lot of coaches don't teach well, like 
did you learn to teach? Did you, did you go to classes to learn to better, to be a better teacher? Like, oh, is that something that innate guys listen to you? Cause you know, we've all heard the stories of all oh, Gretzky, one of the best players ever, but he had a hard time coaching is what people, you know, hear. So was that anything you've ever run into because you see the game in this way as a hall of famer and you know, how do you teach somebody who doesn't see the game the same way you do? Yeah. You know what? I, um, it's funny. I was a very analytical player. I was. And for example, it really dawned on me later in my career because like when I played with Brett Hall, we'd be on the bench and like every guy's on the bench, when you see a good play, you'd be like, Oh, wow, man, nice play. And then you would see a bad play and you'd be like, nice play. What was that? And then you come to realize later on, Oh, wow, that was a nice play. Well, I was a guy that would go, why was it a nice play? And I would try and tinker the next day in practice to do what that guy did. For example, I played with Steve Eiserman. Well, he was better than me. So I was going on the ice and try the movie he did yesterday, right? And I, I think some guys never had to do that. A guy like Gretz was always the best, right? So maybe he never thought about it in that analytical terms, right? Where I did, you know, I, I did all the time and I still do. And, you know, that's something that I think that what separates us is we do have the ability to teach. We on any particular skill, we can explain it to a player why and how. And I think that's what separates us. Is that because you guys played the game at such a high level, both you guys, and you, you understand the game? Is that like, because I'm trying to think of it from the coaches who are listening to this podcast right now, and they're listening yeah. to you guys who work with the best players in the world. You guys have this unbelievable resume, unbelievable company. They're not you. Is there a way for a, you know, a younger coach to work with younger players? Like what kind of advice would you give to those coaches like to teach better? So, okay. It, it, that's a, Hey, listen, man, this is a, this is the million dollar question, right? It's a hard question. So when you watch a guy lose a draw, because you watch, you can watch thousands of face-offs and some guys are better than others. That's a fact, right? Okay. What's the technique? What is the technique? Cause I'm telling you right now, there is a technique to winning a draw, right? So as a coach, when you see anything that happens in any one of your games, you have to explore yourself. What's the correct play there? Well, that requires footwork. That requires hands, vision, as you said, right? So it requires a lot. So you have to think of it in those terms because you got to now go out there and show them, right? Explain it and show them. And that's, that's the hard part because a lot of guys can see a mistake and go, hey, man, you got to get that puck out. You know, okay. How? Oh. How? Oh. Like I, I look at, I go back to the clip of the Ranger last night, Raquel, right? Pittsburgh guy, Raquel. Okay. When you watch the clip, he probably had the puck 20 feet. 20 feet in the NHL is an eternity <laughs> to, see, to see guys coming. And he didn't feel the defenseman coming. So that would be something and I, I'd go on the ice with him for a while and we would talk that out. Why didn't you? What were you thinking right now? What is the particular skill right now? And like I said, he bobbled it for a second. The puck got off his blade. So he lost control of the puck. At the end of the day, almost every mistake comes from controlling the puck, right? You have to control it. When you watch Patrick Kane, it's like a wand on his stick, is it not? Unbelievable. Right? So, Oh, it's incredible. It's fantastic. So like being a little guy, and that's why he has time to see something coming. 
he has time to make a decision. And because we are talking about speed. So like if a, if a guy bobbles a puck, it makes it very difficult. So, you know, that would be my tip for everybody is to understand that you need to get your players to control the puck better. That's awesome. That's awesome. And another thing that I want to ask you about kind of relating to that, you talk about, you know, time and space is that I think Patrick Kane has the ability to have so much time and space because he's in the right spots to get the puck when he's supporting it. <laughs> um, and, and that's a really difficult thing to, to teach as well. Um, you know, for you as somebody who was in spots to, to be able to create some time and space for yourself, um, is that something that you talk about a lot? Cause we, we try to talk to every smart person that we know in this game about puck support, because we feel like it's the most important thing in, in the game. If you want to have puck possession, if you want to create offense, you know, go down the list. If you're an individual to, to have puck touches and eventually get points and things like that. So is that something you talk about a lot with your players, just positioning where to be when the pucks in certain spots and, and how do you go about, you know, talking about that with some of the guys that you work with? Well, the answer is 100% yes, right? And for example, you look at Crosby's assist last night on the first goal. Well, I think I could ask my mother, hey, where does Sidney Crosby stand in the Ozone, Mom? <laughs> well, and she knows. So how come the Rangers didn't know last night? Because the man knows how to hide. He knows when to hide. So he's a master. He obviously learned himself growing up. He's a master of being able to run his routes and end up in the right spot, right? So when you, like, when you watch almost anybody, like you watch, you know, we talk about like wide receivers in football run their routes, right? So we work on our guys running routes all the time. And I'll tell you, like, not everybody can move. Like I said, not, not everybody can move any direction at any time. So some guys can't turn left as easily as they turn right. So if they can't turn right that well, they're go there's going to be times on the ice. They're not in the right spot. I'm not an ambi-turner. No, hey, hey, but you're teaching it, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'm in the gym, yeah, <laughs> because I wasn't an ambi turner. <laughs> hey, I am. <laughs> yes, sir. So, so, how much? How much do you look at analytics, like when you're looking at this stuff? Because it sounds like you're talking a lot about patterns, and you know, I'm you know, tell the smart guy on the podcast, I'm the hot guy, and so like. <laughs> Like how much do analytics go into what you guys are watching and then talking to your players about, well, most, are you like, well, a lot of goals percentage wise are scored here. So if you hide here, you got a more percentage or is it not so much analytics? Oh no, we have, we have our own analytics for sure. A absolutely. And when you watch, when you watch enough hockey, you will gravitate towards that. And obviously it's a big thing with the teams, right? Um, like I'll give you one, one little subject that we have. We, we, we call it stabs poke checking, right? So if me and you are going for a puck at center ice and at the last second, we're both reaching and I poke check it, you miss. So now we go down your end, maybe we score, maybe we get a power play, maybe we just get ozone time. You got D zone time, maybe a penalty, maybe get scored on. How's that analytics for one stab, right? So like the analytics is important, but I can, I, I can also change the number instantly with one stat, right? So at the end of the day, we have our own version of what our analytics are, and it just goes back to being successful and executing, right? What does a coach want? He wants success, right? We're trying to help your players have success 
and that goes into the analytics, of course, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I kind of ties in with what you were talking about a little bit earlier too, because as coaches, sometimes we see mistakes being made and you mentioned, is, is this a mistake or is this a recurring theme? <laughs> and that's where the analytics can come in uh, really handily, especially when you're working with individual players, you know, okay, where are you getting the puck? Uh, typically during a game, how are you getting the puck typically during the game? Is it from a pass? Is it from a battle? You know, there's so many different things that go into it. And, and I would just encourage coaches like, like you're talking about is, is look for the patterns, look through the re recurring themes of, of what's going on and don't just judge a play on one play. There's a bigger picture from a game management standpoint, and there's a bigger picture from an individual development standpoint when it goes into that. So I, I love how you were talking about that because I think it's so massively huge. And I think it's a big mistake that a lot of coaches are making nowadays. Yeah. You know what? Like uh, when I first came in the league and even to today, the big position is goalie coach, right? It's, there's always been a goalie coach. And they're their own entity, right? So like when you watch a goal go in, okay? So the first thing we all see is, did the goalie make a mistake, right? Okay, and maybe he did. What was the mistake? What's up to the goalie coach? Well, did my defenseman make any mistake along the way? Did the forwards make any mistake along the way? As a coach, did I have the wrong guys on the ice at this particular moment? So when you look at any goal, there's lots of mistakes. Which one are you going to pick and work on, right? And that's... And sometimes it's a one-off. Sometimes it's it's a play where, you know what, I bounce off two skates. Okay, right? You know, I, I was watching a Bruins game before I came in for the call, and they were down two zip, and, you know, Bruce Cassidy answered it, right? We got scored on. Yeah, but we didn't break it out right. That's what he said. And he was right. The Bruins had the puck. They didn't break it out right. Carolina took advantage of it, and bing, bing, it's in the net, right? So, so now I'm sure Bruce would address the breakout, right? So then what's the flaws in the breakout? And then the assistant coaches go to those particular guys and try and work on that particular skill at that moment. And that's what we do in the summer. We work with the guys on all the potential skills that can happen in a game. That's awesome. Um, I want to, I want to ask you a question here, Adam. Uh, this is again, a question that I love to ask really, really smart hockey people try to as much as I can. You know, I think chemistry is something that we're all looking for as players, especially offensive players. It's the thing that eludes a lot of us, um, you know, but, but when you find that one line mate or you find that line where everything just kind of clicks, it's like the greatest feeling in the world, especially as an offensive player or a D pair, you know, your D partner, you just always kind of knowing where each other are. And, and for you as someone who set so many people up and, and had great chemistry and had some great years with, you know, guys like a Brett Hull, like you talked about earlier and, and Cam Neely and, and some of these other players, um, what are your thoughts on chemistry? How do you, is there a way that you can develop that with, with a line mate or with a teammate or with a D partner? Um, it's just something I'm very, very interested in. And, and I would love to get your take on it. I, I mean, I really think you answered it. Like the answer is yeah. Like at the end of the day, certain guys have certain skills and somehow over the course of a season, you, you happen to put a guy with a guy and you just see a little instant connection and so what is the connection? Like, for example, uh, Bergeron and Marchand have been together for forever, right? So their two skill sets complement each other. And you know what? Like uh, this year in Calgary, Johnny Goudreau and Matt Kachuk, oh my God, they're plus 60, <laughs> right? So like they've obviously found something that uh, Daryl Sutter hasn't broken up, right? So he sees it. And yeah, a deep partner uh, going back, like there, there is a chemistry for sure. 
and how guys read off each other. And you can develop it more, of course. Is there a certain, you know, is there anything that you did with maybe some of the players that you, you played with back in the day, certain things that you talked about, any kind of method to the madness, or do you think it was just something that our games kind of complement each other and it just kind of works? Well, you know what? I think our skills complement, but we also talk about it. Yeah. And then you end up like, because you all of a sudden like each other, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's part of it, right? It's the game. <laughs> yeah. And then then you're talking about every play and it's like, hey, I thought you were going to go here. Oh yeah, I should have. Oh, hey, nice play right there. And you see it. You know, you, you can always see it on TV when a guy scores like a backdoor tap in and he points at the guy that passed because he knows how cool that play was. Yeah. Love right? that. And, you oh, probably got a couple. You probably got a couple of those in your day. I I, I would assume. <laughs> How, let's keep going with this because I'm a kid from St. Louis. I grew up in St. Louis, so I watch you play. And um, you know how how was it? Like, is it just your dream playing with a guy like Brett Hall? Who like if you like if you put it anywhere near him, he's getting that shot off. Like. Yeah. It, it, how, how many times you come back to the bench and he was like, Hey, I was open, you know, like did that ever happen? Cause <laughs> I've heard shift. so many stories of <laughs> him just much, being like, much, I'm open pretty much every shift. <laughs> um, but actually Hollywood yell at everybody except me. Mm, yeah. you know, <laughs> him. He knows. So like, I mean, obviously we had a great chemistry. We had a great chemistry off the ice. Um, and I've said this a million times, every goal score, every single one, one thing that, people don't give Ovechkin credit for is how smart he is. Yes, he can shoot a puck for sure. He has to know when to be ready to shoot. He has to know how to get open for Nick Backstrom. He knows he has to time it that Nick Backstrom's in the corner and he's going to turn around in a second. So I need to be open in a second, not now. So the great goal scorers are very intelligent guys. And they don't, because they're such good shooters, they never get that credit. But like they are, they're, they're brilliant guys. Obviously shooting, shooting the puck's fantastic, but to be open at the right time is also the, probably the best skill. A lot of timing and reading the play and kind of knowing when to jump in that hole kind of type of thing. Yeah, and a lot of times a goal scorer will come late, right? So like, I remember talking to Brendan Shanahan about it because he played with Igor Larionov, right? In Detroit. And Shani was smart enough to know he's got to wait for Igor. And sometimes that takes a while. You can't just fly in the zone. So, so like for the goal scorer to time that is such an unbelievable skill that people don't sort of realize. So true. So true. Um, well, Adam, we've had you on here for a little bit. It's playoff time. I, I would be remiss. I have one more question for you because I know this is something that you guys believe a lot in and that I don't think enough people talk about. And and this coming from experience of a guy who's five foot four and used a hundred flex stick when he was playing college hockey, that when you cut it down, it probably was 180 flex. Um, I know you guys are, are really big on uh, making sure that, that the stick fit is right for the player. Um, so can you talk a little bit about why you think that's so important and maybe some of the different things you talk about with your players and techniques and little stick tricks um, that might be able to help the, the greater population get the right stick for their playing style or body or however you guys go about doing it? <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? It, it is our secret sauce. It's our number one thing. Uh, the lie, length, and curve of your stick is vital. It's your tool. Yeah. It is your tool. And you have to use it every shift. So we, you know, and, and sometimes 
it, uh, we, it's a hard sell for guys because they're in the NHL before they met us, right? And I might want to talk about changing their stick. Um, and it's, it's obviously a very sensitive subject, very personal subject, quite honestly. And you know what? But at the end of the day, it is your tool and it has to be the right one because you need success. So it's definitely something that we go about very seriously. For any of the parents out there listening who doesn't understand what a lie is, that's basically the relation from the blade of the stick to the to the toe, the heel of the stick to the toe of the stick and how much of that blade is on the ice. I know this because no one ever talked to me about this and I'm playing pro and I had about an inch of the heel on my blade on the ice and a pass is coming under my backhand and I'm missing 37% of them. And, you know, now, you know, as five years in, I'm like, oh, maybe I should change my lie. I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, so um, how is it like you change a guy's curve, not just his lie all the time? Wow. How many? That's like, got to be a hard have you gotten some like heated battles with some guys on that because you, you mentioned uh, it like that's their thing. <laughs> a couple guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, honestly, it's like we don't tell anybody to do anything we would suggest. Yeah. And and some of the guys like you know, for example, we can prove it to them, right? That's another thing too. We can go out there and we have drills that we can do that they can't. How come? Even Lounsey? Uh, well, Lounsey's pretty good, man. <laughs> I know he is. I've seen the videos. He's fast, man. He's a, he's a fast guy. So like, yeah, at the end of the day, if, if, if a guy can't shoot the puck a certain way, how come? Right? And, and a lot of guys can't. A lot of guys can shoot a puck one particular way. You have to shoot it more than one way. And not everybody can. You know, that puck comes around the board. It's going to be able to take the spin out of it. Well, certain sticks work better than others. And so we go about, like, listen, we go back about this, and it's very serious. And obviously, the stick game is a very, a very serious one because now we're asking parents to maybe spend money. So we're very sensitive about that. <laughs> right? But I also would look a parent in the eye and go, I don't like that stick in his hands right now because I don't want him to get hurt. There is a reason people bobble the puck. Kaner doesn't. Yeah. All ties back together. And that's, you guys are, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to think about it that way. I, I, I've never really thought about it that way, but it, it does make a whole lot of sense. And you guys are adding a lot of value to a lot of different kids and keeping them on the ice. What, what was it, Vex? The best ability is availability. Is that what you said? That's what Matt Nichols said. Yeah. I love that quote. <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, well, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and talk to us and talk some shop real honor for us to, to be able to have you on here for me as, as a player that tried to model my game after you and Vex as a, as a St. Louis born and bred uh, player that watched you play growing up. We, we appreciate it so much and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. And hopefully a few of your guys can, can hoist the Stanley cup here over the next couple months. That'd be pretty cool. It would be cool. And thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you.